Are y'all going to like sit here the whole time? I've been in Baptist world too long. I don't like that many people behind me, man. I tell you, I just, <coughs> it makes me nervous. Uh, Sunday night, uh, the 21st, Sunday night, the 28th, we're going to have a family gathering for the 37027 campus about some of the changes that are coming up and uh, let you talk, uh, uh, understand some of the thinking and some of the uh, research that we have done and found out some things um, uh, about that has prompted some of those changes and some of the changes that are coming. Uh, a lot of things have been going on in the 37027 zip code as we have started these other campuses, and, uh, and it's, it's interesting about how, uh, for instance, did you know uh, that almost 10% of the demographic in, uh, in 37027 is Asian, Chinese? That's about 10% of our demographic. So it's, uh, it's an interesting thing, and a lot of things that we thought, that I thought, uh, were true aren't, and so we're having to kind of refocus some things, and we're going to talk about that on uh, 5 o'clock, uh, 21st in Hudson Hall, 5 o'clock, 28th in Hudson Hall, and I'll look forward to uh, seeing you there. I've got about the first 20 minutes or so uh, to talk about some things we've learned, and then we'll uh, open it up to your questions, and, uh, and that's why I'm not feeding you. Uh, so you'll have to go home to supper sooner or later. <laughs> See, you learn some things hanging around Baptists all this time. So, so I look forward to you being part of it, and, uh, and it'll, be, it'll be a good evening uh, for us. There are certain words in the human language, in the English language especially, that, that we cannot define. And, and it's frustrating when somebody says, well, define, uh, define love. And you'll end up with somebody going, well, you know, well, that's not a definition. And, and you would think living in a place like Nashville that we, have, we would have found writers or somebody who could have told us what the definition is. And we have a, uh, a myriad of attempts. Let's see, um, love is a rose, but you better not pick it. It only grows when it's on the vine. Uh, love stinks. That's a good one. Uh, love is compared to various forms of alcohol. Uh, everything from uh, Tennessee whiskey to white lightning. Uh, it's one of those words that you know, but you can't say until you see it. And then when you see it, that's love. That's what it looks like. That's what it is. I may not can tell you, but I know it when I see it. That's love. And it is in the story we're reading today where every one of the disciples and everybody in the early church wanted to be sure you and I saw because when they were there, they said to each other, that's love. Stand with me in honor of God's word as we begin reading in John chapter 6. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was performing by healing the sick. 
And Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down with his disciples. And now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed the huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where can we buy bread so all of these people can eat? He asked Philip this to test him, for he himself already knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be able to buy enough for each of them just to have a little bit. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and a couple of fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down, and the men numbered there, about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed it to them, to those who were seated, also the same with the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were full, they told the he told the disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over from those who had eaten. And when people saw the sign he had done, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come to the world. And therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Where will we buy enough bread so that all these people can eat? This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Stories we have heard, children, stories that have been told for thousands of years, from believer to believer, from church to church, now come to us. Because everybody who was there, everybody who has heard this story keeps telling us there's something important here, there's something everybody needs to know. Don't miss this one. So we pray our hearts will be open, our minds as well, and that we'll know more about who you are and who we are the miracle of love that you have brought to us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. There is one story, one miracle story, that is told in all four Gospels. Did you know that? There's just one. Now what, what story do you think it would be? For me, it would be the story of uh, Jesus doing something uh, spectacular, uh, raising somebody from the dead, uh, the, uh, the, the raising of Lazarus. See, I would make sure everybody knew that. Uh, and if I was going to have a business card, it would be Jesus raises people from the dead. That would be on there. But the story of Lazarus isn't in every gospel. The story of Jairus' daughter is not in every gospel. Walking on the water. That'd be a good one. It's not in every gospel. Do you know what story is in every gospel? The feeding of the 5,000. It's the one story that is in every gospel. I've told you before 
that you have to imagine that the gospel writers were sitting in front of a bunch of photographs of Jesus and of Jesus' life and all the stories that they could have told. We know, we know that just from the, the, the variety of the gospels themselves that not every story of Jesus was told. Uh, John tells us, if I had to write down everything he did and everything that he taught, uh, the ocean, if it were ink, wouldn't, wouldn't be enough, and the sky, if it was a scroll, wouldn't be large enough to contain everything that I could write. So they had to be selective with their audience in mind. Who's going to be reading my gospel? Who, who are the people that will see these stories? And they picked those various pictures out with that understanding of how I can tell you who Jesus is in the most effective and efficient way possible using the stories that I have. And it's funny, all four of them said, if, if we don't tell you anything else, the one story we have to tell you is the feeding of the 5,000. I wonder why that is. One of the reasons I think it is it's in there, because I think this is the question most of us ask. Put yourself in the, in, in the, in, in the setting of the first century church. Uh, people are saying, hey, if you'll come and follow Christ, uh, this is the best life possible. Come and follow Christ, and He will take care of your needs. Now, if you're following Christ, you may have to leave your family. Your family may disown you. If you're following Christ, you may lose your job because most of the time you did what your family did. And if your family disowned you, not only did you leave your, lose your home, but you lost your job. And your one question is this, if I follow Jesus, is He Lord enough, is He Savior enough, is He God enough, is He powerful enough to take care of me on the way? It's a question that we've always asked. It's the same question the Hebrew children asked when they came out of Egypt. Oh yeah, okay, you're, you're, you're strong enough to get us out of Egypt, but are you strong enough to get us to the promised land? Most of us really aren't worried about heaven so much, are we? We're worried about making it to next Thursday. Worrying about making it to the end of this month. Can Jesus take care of me no matter what? Can Jesus get me through the rest of my life? Can Jesus take care of me? It is the fundamental existential question that we all have. And every one of the gospel writers wanted you to know this. Yes. Yes, he can. Now, they give you all kind of clues about the importance of this story. One. Jesus is up on a hill. He's on a mountain. Who else did the teaching from up on a hill? <gasps> Moses. So now we have a new Moses bringing a new law, the new people of Israel being called out on their journey. We have the story of manna. Remember? The people of Egypt, the people, uh, the Hebrew children are leaving Egypt. They get to the middle of the wilderness. There's no food. They begin to uh, complain. There's no food. We're starving to death. You brought us out of Egypt. We were better off in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here? Now we're going to starve to death. So God sends manna. The word manna literally means, what is this? So all the Hebrew children got up and looked around, saw this uh, stuff like dew, like snow. Uh, uh, laying around on the plants and on top of rocks and everything and grabbed it and looked and said, what is this? And we have the word manna. And now 
Jesus breaks the bread, now there is manna. <laughs> but you missed the best clue. Did you see it? Now this was the season of Pentecost. This was the season of Passover. Passover. Did you see it? This is the story of a lamb that was sacrificed, whose blood was put on the outside of our doors so the angel of death would know that the people inside were believers and would pass over. This is the story of Jesus being broken. How are we going to feed all of these people, Philip? A man could work eight months and not have enough money to give everybody a snack. Andrew, and I've always thought this was a smart aleck response, right? How are we going to feed all these people? Jesus, there's a boy here. He's got five loaves of bread and two fish. That's a good start. I would have done that. That would have been me. Jesus has him sit down, and Jesus takes the bread blesses it, breaks it, takes the fish, blesses it, breaks it, and starts to feed the 5,000 men. Ladies, don't get mad. I'm just telling you the culture of the day. You were not counted. Don't send me an email. I did not write the Gospel of John. Okay, so you can imagine, there, by some numbers, there's anywhere from 15 to 20,000 people there by the time you count women and by the time you would count children. The disciples start passing each other, going back and forth. One group to the next, one saying to the other, how many loaves were there? Well, this is my third trip. And then they want to make him king. Jesus would not allow them to crown him king. Why? Because if he had allowed them to crown them king, he would have been hostage to their agenda. What was their agenda? More bread, more fish. Sound familiar? Feel familiar? Jesus would not let the world crown him. Now, Jesus would be crowned. Philippians tells us that the Lord God gave Jesus the name above every name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it wouldn't be political power that did it. And so Jesus breaks the bread. A few chapters later, Jesus himself is broken. Ah, this is what love looks like. Christ, broken, bread of life, broken, Son of God, broken, this is my body, broken.
It'll be enough for the journey. It'll be enough for the day. It'll be enough to get you home. But in the push and shove of life and the hustle and bustle of everyday life, we forget. We get desperate. We lose faith. We lose hope. That's why Jesus gave us this reminder, a piece of bread and a cup that we'll share together to remind you that God took care of the Hebrew children with manna, that Jesus fed the 5,000, and his life broken for you is enough for your journey. Our deacons will now take their place to serve you, and as they do, use these moments to prepare your own heart for the receiving of the Lord's Supper, for the sharing of the bread, and the sharing of the cup. Lord Jesus, welcome us now to your table that we may see the bread broken and remember that it is you who is broken for us and it is now us who are broken for our world. And we pray this in your name. Amen.